My nigga, this is dedicated to all the soldiers that never made it. Nipsey hustles the very latest. The fall victim to the gun violence that plagues us. Night talking about a scary movie when I say us. Nip got shot in front of his store. Right in front of all the people that he fully employed. Got rich and gave back like you supposed to do. That's the same shit will make a target of you too. Hustle man was a real man. He was taking pics with children. Why the fuck they had to kill him? He was trying to raise the ceiling, so they turned around and burned down the building. He was a hero, so the shooter was a villain. How can killing brothers over covers be appealing? That's the type of shit we deal with. Daily in the hood that other people never feel it. Key, key, I'm in my feelings. Nipsey Hustle was the game plan to do it independent. I know his family was dependent on everything he used to bring to the table. Now they miss him. Bob Marley said it best. How long shall they kill our prophets while we stand aside and look? Look at fortune and passion might be shook, but history is told by those who write the book. You don't know what you'll find till you start to look. If you got people on the tape, you might get took. Nipsey Hussle was a king killed by a rookie. Died for us all like the king inside the book. You took a life for a sentence. Now you about to spend this next period repenting. My point of exclamation, I'm pressing the part. Cause commas gonna come up when you question these marks. Everything turns the light to the dark. The news about Nipsey Hussle really felt like a knife to the heart. Had to reflect like a bike in the dark. When you gaslight everything, nigga, you can die from the spark. So make sure that you are who you are. When the reaper comes calling, be that nigga that you are in your bars. That's why for Nip, I ain't worried at all. Cause you an OG rocking with G.O.D. You had 2020 vision back in 03. You only shoot in LA should have been Kobe. If y'all play 21 with LeBron and Swanson, cause y'all the LA Kings like the hockey team. First Frank Style Friday was a hustle beat. He RT to follow back cause he fucked with me. And he's still the only rapper that show love to me. Now you understand why it's so tough for me to fucking see the luxury of life. When they turn salty, who will take a slug from me? I wish Nipsey Garner could take a hug from me. RIP Nipsey, hope you thug in peace. We miss you, cuz. What up though? I Heart Miko Podcast, episode 159. Today is May 5th, 2019. Um, that was AJ Francis. You were just listening to Happy Birthday, AJ. Today is AJ's uh, birthday. And for those of you that haven't heard any of his music, please check him out on iTunes. He goes by, he's under the name Frank with the little C as the, you know, the coin sign or whatever. I don't know how the fuck he's doing it, but happy birthday, AJ. Um, I'm in LA right now. I came out here to celebrate my another birthday friend of mine who is Maya G. Happy belated. Her birthday was yesterday, but we obviously celebrate Cinco de Maya with her every year. So happy birthday to, to Maya as well. Um, today's guest, um, nah, baby daddy. Um, I, I'm in LA, as I said before, and um, I'm not giving you any playoff content on this episode. I'll probably record again some sometime this week so you get two episodes. But today's guest is someone that I've always admired from afar, but I never reached out to him to come on the podcast because a lot of people just don't always say yes, and it pisses me off. So I just decided that, you know, I would just, you know, do the show on my own and every now and then have some guests on. But you guys constantly in my comments and in my DMs asking me to reach out to this person. So I decided to have him on and uh, I won't keep you waiting. Uh, without further ado, here's a great conversation yeah. with myself yeah, and Arian Foster. Look, uh, half green, white, red, half African. They tell me all that money was an accident. Then they tell me that I ain't black enough because I ain't standing up with all the activists and I ain't passionate and a graduate. And I don't believe in all that sacrament that they wave around in my face like I'm some antagonist. I imagine a little bit better. Uh, back warm for the 
say Ever heard a sound of the clock made black man down for the flag with a cop make uh, Ever wonder why a nigga get tan if he sell a little crack White collar, money laundering, couple hundred million And he don't even get that, it ain't an epidemic, it's just systemic This little lie to mine, they won't let it I keep spreading that, I'm gon' get it Shit just blacks, I ain't prophetic uh, I told my people that I got them once I got it And I got it Left home, look what a nigga brought back Whole lot of bullshit, oh shit, not gone Just care a little less, cause the lights back on And your bank look good, home look nice Got good weed for a real good price Cop roll by and they don't look right <laughs> Yeah right, gotta duck that steel Too much lip, gotta tuck that real Nigga feel free, who don't want that fear? Came when I told him I'ma fuck that bill <laughs> Yeah, out here living comfortable Came from a place dysfunctional But I love my fam and I love my home And I'm glad I ain't going with the Huxtables What a tangle, where do we weave here? I live here, I grieve here I finally found a little peace here But I don't think that I can leave here yet Cause I told my people that I got them Once I got it and I got it Arian Foster, thank you so much uh, For joining the iHeartMiko podcast And welcome Thank you for having me, I appreciate you Okay, so I did a little research on you, obviously. I, I knew a little bit about you already because you're in the NFL and I cover the NFL and all that stuff. But I did some research, you know, to prepare for today. And I found out that you don't like your name. <clears throat> nah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Tell my listeners why you don't like your name and why you've kind of changed your name to Bobby Fino. At first, I thought it was just your music identity, but it seems like it's your real name now. Like, it's like the name you want to be called. Well, I mean, no, nah, it's not like that. Um, when you said my name, I thought you were talking about my last name. Okay. Yeah, I don't like I don't like that that name. Um, but yeah, I, I think when uh, well, I started making music when I was like twelve, um, and I've been through a, a hundred different names. But when I um, finally settled on one, because um, I, I would use my name, but it just doesn't sound like some some people have artistic sounding names. It's not like, cool. It, just sound, it just no, it just don't sound good. Like Arian Foster, just don't sound Foster like. Foster. I just never, I don't know, it just never rolled off the tongue to me. And so, um, so I needed something a little more uh, sonically pleasing. And, uh, and so I did that. I changed it. But as far as my last name, no, I didn't, I don't like my last name because it's, uh, it's definitely a, a descendant from a slave owner. So, yeah. I don't, I so you're like off it. that. Yeah. So well, actually, I talked to my pops, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna uh, he's 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 taking care of my grandpa right now. But when he when he when he comes back, um, he we're gonna go to the courthouse and we're gonna change our last name. Word. Yeah. Oh my God! I wish I could do something like that. I mean, I'm married now, so I kind of gotta hold this Grimes thing down. But I've I've had some friends who have different names, like not for your reasons, but. One of my friends uh, changed her name as well recently, a female, and it's hard for me to. She changed her first and last name, so it's hard for me mm. to keep to remember to call her by her new name because I've known right. her so long with the old name. But a lot of people are just ditching their name for whatever reason. And I think it's kind of dope. Then you can create not, who you are. You know, you might even yeah. you might feel like your name doesn't fit who you are. You know, that's true. I mean, we don't get to pick them. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not a it's not a new idea, you know. Some of our most beloved heroes in our community, Malcolm X, uh, Muhammad Ali, they they didn't they did yeah. their maiden name, so it's not new. Yeah, I might do that one day. I'm not even kidding. I've thought about it. My first name is Tamiko, 
but no one knows that. Everybody calls me mm-hmm. Miko. So I've thought about just changing it to Miko. Then I just didn't even want a last name. I just wanted it just Miko. That's dope. <laughs> last names are pretty stupid. When I you think know. About it. And I was just like, I don't even need it. I just want to be known as Miko. But, you know, I got a, I got a, another half that I have to consider before I make all these cool decisions in my yeah. life. So, yeah, which is also annoying because, you know, I, I hate marriage, but. <laughs> you hate marriage? Yes. Why are you in it? I mean, it made sense for Does us. Yeah, well, at the time, yeah, because, you know, to to conduct yourself in the way that we wanted to, meaning like like when I got, well, first we weren't getting married and because we weren't having children. Mm. And, but then when his mother asked, you know, him to change my mind because he's an only child, then that's when I was like, well, I would want to, if my son has your last name, I would want us to have a last, same last name and it also helps with like insurance and and all you know just things that that you need to function in this government on the low. Before I was educated, I, don't, I ain't you know? I ain't counting pockets, but if you, I know you, I know your husband at that level of wealth, the perks don't matter. We weren't there. He was just off the practice squad. <laughs> okay, we wasn't right. there. We weren't there yet. So I, I, yeah, that was ten years ago. Now we I'm are. With you. Now we you. are. But um, I wanted to thank you for coming on again because um, I don't know if you know this, but I feel like there's a lot of people that um, agree with me and speak just like me in your position, whether it's a professional athlete or just somebody with, you know, some relevance. And I have trouble um, getting people to come on my podcast because a lot of people don't want to. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it has a little bit to do with me being a woman sometimes where people don't like that I have this voice. You know, or I speak like a man, or I may overshadow their thoughts or something they have to say. And so I was just saying that I was very appreciative of you responding because a lot of my listeners of my podcast have constantly, for years, for like at least two years, this is my this is my third year of my podcast. Um, and they've asked me to have you on, but I was just like, you know what? I'm not even going to ask him because he's probably going to say no, and it's going to piss me off even more. <laughs> But I hit you up and you were like, yes. And I was like, bet. So thank you so much for uh, for joining me. No, for sure, man. That's that's wild that uh, you had to miss me, man. Did any, has, have any of your listeners ever said to you, like, you should have Miko on? Oh, uh, man, I get a lot of those, man. Uh, so I tend to, they just get, it kind of just get lost. And so I'm, I mean, I'm positive, uh, probably, but I just, I, I kind of just drown those out, man. Man, because I, I get it a lot. And so I, I appreciate it. And, um, I know you got a 30% battery, so we're going to get going. But um, I wanted to to talk about some of the things, because I told you before, we're we're very similar. Like, I feel like you're one of my spirit animals. Um, yeah. Just some of the things you say and just how brutally honest they are. Like, people don't know how to take that. And so I wanted to talk about some of your brutally honest tweets. And uh, one of them, first of all, was when you said that you could fight a wolf. <laughs> now... <laughs> I believe you believe that. And obviously America believes it because I saw that on the poll you won on Yahoo Sports, people agreed that you could beat a wolf in a fight. And some of your reasons was because they didn't have opposable thumbs and you were Jay-Z trying to say you outweigh them. Do you still think you could beat a wolf? Yeah, that shit is crazy that that gained that much steam. Like, <laughs> yes. I was literally, I was in LA and I was just, um, I was just like a lazy day and I was just like, I don't know, I always shoot the shit on Twitter and uh, I don't know, I think I was talking about camping 
And you uh, were. It was about camping. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was like camping or something. And I was like, but I don't really, I don't really mess with wildlife. I believe that wildlife should be left alone, and we should be left alone. Yes. And that just randomly, like, yeah, but I probably get a wolf one on one. And like, it just, I didn't like. It was like, if I would have known it would have got that, I would have never said that shit because it just got. It went way it was further dope. than you wanted it to. It, it just, it just like it got me on Joe Rogan. Like Joe Rogan like chimed in, and then he ended up. We have a mutual friend, and he was like, "Yeah, come on the show." Like that's crazy. That's dope, though. Yeah, it's dope, but it's like I don't honestly like I don't I don't. <laughs> it's silly to even talk about, but it's like I think if you go in it, if 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 I must answer, like if you going into a, a a fight with a wolf, you can't go in thinking I'm gonna lose, or else you're gonna lose anyway. So you might as well think. Yeah, I can get them. So that's just my and, mindset. And you came up with reasons to validify why you thought you could get one. Yeah, I was just talking shit, though. I mean, none of that shit was, was for real. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Are you still a flat earther? I was never a flat earther. You were never a flat earther. So yeah. so when, when you heard these things, I thought you were trying to agree with somebody at some point, and then you changed your mind. So no, you were never a flat earther. Why Why don't you believe the earth is flat? Well, I, no. First of all, no. I was never a flat earther. I um. Uh, I said, why don't you believe it's flat? Because I don't believe it's flat either. But my reason is because I can't find the money trail behind lying about it. <laughs> no, I, I. I mean, there's just too much scientific evidence that says it's round. <laughs> it's just. It's not even. It's not. There's not even a debate. This the debate is with people who are so scientifically illiterate that even if you presented them with any kind of evidence, they would discount it because they don't even know what good evidence is in that context. So it's like, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just the trickle down effect of our school system failing us and our, (laughs) our, our logical brains not working. That's all it is. And, And I think a big part of that logical brain not working is because of food. And I know that you were, at first you were practicing a plant-based diet and then you you decided to eat some meat and it was a big old thing that you decided to eat a chicken wing. <laughs> because I think that um, once you say, oh, I'm vegan or I'm plant-based, people like hop on this, this bandwagon with you and the minute you fail them, then it's like, you know, blasphemy, like, like you're the devil. What does your diet consist of now? Yeah, no, when I first... Like it was new. It's kind of it's kind of more known now. But when I did it in like 2012, and it hadn't really been heard of in a mainstream sport, um, I still I, I try to eat as healthy as possible, you know, relatively. But I have a lot of plant based meals. I still think that's a very healthy lifestyle. I think it's just inconvenient for my taste as far prepping for meals i don't have to like you have to constantly think about what you're prepping for and what you're like i, I would do it if i if i had like a full-time chef but I, I just it's not it's not that serious to me so um i definitely am an advocate for the lifestyle but i i i i, I choose to eat meat here and there but i still have a lot of plant-based meals okay cool i'm similar to that um except i the only i don't eat any dairy whatsoever um but what I do consume occasionally is crab legs. That's it. That's my one meat that I that I still crave. 
Yeah, I had uh I just found out recently I have a I had the onset uh shell allergy, uh shellfish allergy mm. that just came came out of nowhere. I had I just all of a sudden got puffy lips and the hives everywhere. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I'm allergic to uh shellfish as well. And the only one that I'm not allergic to is crab legs. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. It happened to me um, when I was 12 years old. I had my first allergic reaction, and um, I I stopped breathing. (laughs) So mine is serious. Like when I cook it for my husband, I have to wear gloves. Like if I make shrimp or lobster or anything, like I literally have to wear gloves. Sometimes, occasionally, if it splatters on me or gets on me, I get like a little cluster of bumps on my skin wherever it touched. So I have like a severe allergic reaction to it. And I think the reason that I still eat crab legs is because it's the only one that I could eat. <laughs> so it's like I just just hang on to it. And every now and then I have a couple of crab legs. But the rest yeah. of my diet is is plant-based. And that's because, you know, I'm a stay-at-home, very wealthy wife who can afford it. And I have time to meal prep. Um, I, I cook a plant-based uh, diet for my husband as well. Uh, I refuse to serve him dairy. Uh, I think it's going on four years now. So he's been dairy free for four years. <laughs> but he um, he will ask for meat. Like uh, he'll ask for like maybe once a week. He'll say, you know, make me a steak or make chicken or whatever. And I do it. But the majority of his meals are plant based because of what I'm cooking. So Yeah, I mean, I think it's a healthy way to go, man. Yeah, it is. It's a really good way. Um, one of my favorite tweets of all time came from you. There was actually two of them. It was like a back-to-back, like a double slap that you did. And I will never forget these tweets. And and it came from um, the Ray Rice and, and Adrian Peterson situation in the NFL where, you know, this domestic violence thing was like, was, you know, beating down NFL's back. They were panicking. They didn't know what to do. And so they had suspended Ray Rice. I don't think they had banned him from the league altogether just yet, but they had suspended him. And then Adrian um, Peterson stuff happened. And then um, Anheuser-Busch made a public statement saying that um, they were upset um, that domestic violence was um, taking over the NFL discussions and and, uh, domestic violence and and doesn't um, go with their, um, their, their, their moral views. Or something like that. They said um, the NFL's handling of the incidents, um, meaning nobody had, you know, died yet from it. Uh, they wanted somebody dead, I guess, or head on a stake. I'm not sure. Um, because of domestic violence goes against their company's moral code. And you said domestic violence and alcohol go hand in hand. And I almost closed my casket. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, people really forget that, like, it's so weird that people don't think about that. It's like, how how are you even concerned with the morals of Anheuser-Busch when they're an alcohol company? Like, they're a cause of so much death, you know, and things. They should just sit back and be quiet and sell their alcohol and shut up. Yeah, I mean, hypocrisy is is rampant in our society. And, I mean, everybody's a hypocrite to a certain extent. But Mm -hmm. an alcohol company speaking on morality is... It's hilarious. Like they literally sell poison. Like there's right. more, there's more alcohol deaths than domestic violence deaths. Right. Let me let me, let me not let me not make that statement before I check the statistics. It is. But I'm pre- it's it's up there either. It says it's up there either way. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's a huge problem in our country. I mean, the fact that alcohol is a is a legal substance, and some other substances are are still schedule one drugs like marijuana mm-hmm. uh, psychedelic mushrooms stuff like that 
um it's just it's laughable it's just honestly laughable and but that's that's the that's the world we live in today is just that's how it is and then everybody wants to be outraged about something and and I got your point though, but see that tweet right there almost killed me until somebody, a fan or or, a random person responded to you and said, you know, finally a big company takes a stance on domestic violence and you ripped them and you replied, this is the one that killed me. You replied with, you need a company to tell you domestic violence is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when when I talk to fans, it's kind of hypocritical. Like you said, everyone's a hypocrite in some way, shape, or form. And I feel like I'm a hypocrite being the wife of an NFL player when I totally trash the organization. I trash the fan base. And, and one of the problems that I have with the fan base is how they literally latch on to whatever you guys say. Like, they need you to do right in the world. Like, like, oh, my son looks up to you. How dare you slap your wife? Now what's my son going to think? He's going to think he should slap his wife because his favorite football player slaps his wife. Like, why do people do that? I think it's just, um, it's stupid. It's, 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 it's the um, kind of hierarchy we live in this society. Like, we, we love entertainment. We love our entertainment. Like, and that's the world that we live in. That's the world we're cultivating and entertainers are heralded for some reason. I mean, I don't get it. And granted, I made my living entertaining. And even while I was doing, I was like, yo, this is so stupid. And like, remember when Charles Barkley said, I'm not a role model. Like Mm -hmm. we we shouldn't, we shouldn't be. That makes no sense. Like we just play a sport Mm -hmm. and, and people, people love the idolatry of that are, important and and so you look at a a beer company taking a stand on domestic violence rather than taking a stand on their product yeah and it's just it's just a it's just a stupid cycle we live i have a whole bunch of problems with the psyche of america and people in general and just it's just we just don't think we're just it's we're just not smart We're, we're controlled by the media i believe and and our food and people, people will accept and agree with the media kind of controlling them, but they refuse to agree that the food that they're consuming is also a part of control. What do you mean by, by control? Because when you're eating certain products, your mind, in my opinion, isn't allowed to actually even think on a, on a higher level. Like you're struggling with um, corn syrup, red dye number two, all of these chemicals in your body which a lot of the food that people are consuming isn't even food and i think it plays into your psyche can you hear me now can yes. you hear me now can yes. You hear me? yes yes sorry man so for the listeners man i got I'm, I'm in the middle of like some storm in houston and it's like yeah raining and thundering and my power's out that's why the audio isn't that good but <clears throat> i said what i said was uh i guess i'd have to look a little more into it um because i i think that it could help with mental clarity but as far as I wouldn't go so far as to say like someone's getting controlled, but I think that's a little, I think that's a I leap. Think, I think sugar is a disease. Do you think sugar is a disease? It's definitely not a disease. <laughs> what do you think it is? Or def- how do you define disease? Um, I think that there's an addiction that people are addicted to it. It's in everything that we eat. And the a part of the reason that people um, are addicted to certain foods is because it's, 
not like not a disease. I'm, I said disease. I meant drug. I meant that okay. it's a drug. That was the wrong word. But it causes okay. disease afterwards. Um, yeah, I think anything in in large quantities is harmful. I mean, you you could die from too much water. Uh, I, I I'm 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 not a huge fan of sugar. I don't think it should be a big part of your diet. But I think in moderation, I don't think it's as harmful as as it should be because people i mean we we overeat america that's i mean it's it's insane when you think about the fact that we have obesity and obesity is a problem people are dying from heart diseases number one killer in america Mm -hmm. and what a heart disease is is overconsumption of of foods and so like where there's people starving in other countries our issue is we're eating too much that shit is hilarious yeah it's pretty creepy when you think about it, and I've noticed, you know, I've done a lot of traveling. I played professional basketball overseas for seven years and just portions in general in our country versus other countries is like wild to me. Like it's so different. And I don't think that anybody thinks about a lot of the things that are happening in this country that are that are not normal, that are causing a lot of the, the, the things that we we have a problem with. And the media is to me, the biggest drug that of all, because it controls everything and everybody. And everybody will not. Yeah, like, not. Imagine t- telling everybody you can't. Imagine Instagram just going away or Twitter just going away. People would lose their mind. It would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be great. Um, I, I think that the, the positives outweigh the, the negatives. Because although we have a lot, of shit to worry about a lot on our plate um, and things of that sort. I think the the benefits of being a globally connected mm-hmm. community far outweigh the, the negative aspects of it. But I think the way uh, we use it is what's bad. Not that we well, have. Well, of course. It. Yeah, that's, that's indicative of, of human beings, though. They're going to they're gonna fuck everything up. But I think the big issue with today's society is we, we see all the problems. And the reason why we see all those all these problems is because we're globally connected. The reason why it feels like everybody's complaining every day is because we're global, globally mm-hmm. connected. In the nineties, when you were walking around, you weren't necessarily aware of what your neighbor was thinking about any political issue. It was just, you were cordial and you moved on about your day, but because there's a Facebook and you understand how he really thinks. Now you realize he doesn't really think that black lives matter, you, you know, whatever <laughs> the case may be, or, you know, if you're on the opposite side, you think that black lives matter. So like you disagree and agree with all of these different, political ideology and it's in your face now and so while it seems like it's a huge issue and everybody's always complaining uh this is actually the best time in human history to be alive Mm -hmm. disease lowest uh mortality rate um technology like everything is is trending upwards for the most part um and this is probably the greatest time to be alive in human history but it seems like it's a lot because we're not used to all of the heavy doses of information, but that's really indicative of how somebody else uh, curates their own mental diet rather than mm-hmm. the world being the world because you choose who to follow, you choose what to look at. So it's kind of your own fault if you're tired of seeing what the world is giving you. And see, and I feel like that all ties into food, but that's a whole nother conversation we'll have mm-hmm. another time. I want to switch subjects and talk about your music. Because um, I didn't know that you did music until I did some research. And um, you had an album come out called Flamingo and Koval, right? 
Mm-hmm. And that is where Pac was shot and murdered. Yep. And but so so when I found that out, when I saw the name, and I was like, I wonder why he, you know, titled it that. And I did some research and found out that you're a huge Tupac fan. But then I I know, you know, Van Lathan is a friend of mine. Shout out to Van. I'm gonna be on yeah. his podcast tomorrow. I was on before, and it was the day it released was the day that Kanye said um that slavery was was a uh a uh, choice. So the mm. podcast never, I mean, he aired it, but you know, it just didn't get any light. So we're going to re-record. but I did hear you on his podcast and you said that Tupac's music wasn't deep and people went ape shit. Right. Crazy. Can you explain to my listeners why you said Tupac's music wasn't deep? Well, yeah. So anytime you have any kind of conversation, any kind of depth, there's something called nuance nuance that the internet will never allow you to have. Mm-hmm. And it takes a certain kind of person to understand nuances of a conversation. Our conversation with Tupac is my favorite artist of all time. Not just my favorite rapper, my favorite artist. Like if I was mm-hmm. on the island and I had to take one album, I would take All Eyes On Me or uh, Machiavelli um, or shit, any one of his shit. That's my guy, right? So when I said he, he wasn't, that deep. I didn't say he wasn't deep. I didn't say he as a person wasn't deep. I didn't say his music wasn't deep. I said he wasn't that deep. Okay. And what I meant by that was that he didn't necessarily touch the nerve. So what I view as deep as a 32-year-old man now, uh, it's totally different than what I thought it was as a as a 12-year-old kid or a 10-year-old kid where I was in my room crying to his songs, right? Mm-hmm. And And so taking all that into context now as a grown man listening to him it doesn't it doesn't feel the same and i don't think it's as thought-provoking as it was when i was a kid seeing the things that i saw uh going through some of the situations i've been through reading some of the books i've read meeting some of the people i've met his content it's it's not as heavy as it was to me back then doesn't mean that i still don't listen doesn't mean that i still don't think it's impactful or relevant or or thoughtful um it just doesn't hit me the same now say i and i saying all that my sister's a big tupac fan as well and we had a long conversation i recently just had neil degrasse tyson on my podcast <clears throat> and we kind of hit on a similar where we were talking about um logic in the arts and and why i didn't view it as something that hit me as as he- I don't necessarily think he was still it, the the subject matter that he was producing doesn't necessarily hit me like that anymore but I I think it's I think it's an emotionally it's a it's it's deeper on an emotional level that somebody could say something in the 1990s and 20 years later could still have the same amount of relevance and same amount of emotional impact as to 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 touch somebody in 2019 like that that in itself is deep and so i i I retracted my statements because i understood what people were saying although i still don't feel like that i understand how people can feel like it is it's just not to me but Mm -hmm. that's just that's just me it doesn't mean anything else and it doesn't take away from his impact in my life or anybody else's just because i feel like that like if like if you read a book that touches you as a, as a kid and as you read it as an adult, you might have some nostalgia about it, 
but it just doesn't hit you the same. Right. And guys, like have that ex- you have experiences now. Yeah. And so, so like, like people, like I said, it's, it's a nuanced conversation and it takes, I don't know, it, it, it people, people get different, man. It's not like, it's not like if I was to say, our, our, or not our that's a bad example. If I was to say, somebody's going to be like, yeah, some people agree. Some I people missed won't. the name because you were breaking up. You said, if you oh, were sorry. to say who? I said Mariah Carey. If I was like Mariah Carey, you know, isn't that isn't that good of a single or whatever? Some people might agree, some people might not. Whatever, you know, I might, but nobody's gonna get like super emotional about it. But mm-hmm. when it comes to rap, like rap for some reason touches people some, different. Yes, yeah, it's, it's different, and I understand like because I, I get why. Like when I was a kid growing up, like there were times I went I I went nights without food and there was no lights in the house and I threw on Tupac, you know, uh, when mm-hmm. the lights came back on, and I, and I related to that. And I, and, and I felt that and he gave me hope and I understand that that people still feel that way. And but me as a as a multimillionaire, I don't feel the same way as I did when I was 12. And so he doesn't resonate with me the same way. But that doesn't mean I still don't like him. Like, right. you know, I, it, it, it's, 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 it's a lot of nuance, but people get in their feelings. And now like I remember when that when that whole shit went down, it was funny. Uh somebody sent me my wikipedia page and so somebody edited my wikipedia page and said arian foster also known as the biggest tupac hater and i'm like what Damn. The fuck? they sent you down there i think this is weird man like, i was like yo i named my first musical project after, after the him place, after the place he he got killed like i love that dude like it's just it's weird man I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. And that's our job, is to spark somebody else watching us. We, we might not be the one. Yeah. Lines that got crisscrossed and I low-keyed and got pissed off. Cause these tricks here done tricked off and I rap guys and got ripped off. Pop died and nigga cry low. You didn't hold me, that's fine folk. But you probably never been without food and no lights on. Cause your mind broke and your hope gone so you throw them on. Cause you relate to that Money came quick to them niggas that sold drugs I had to wait for that Seen a nigga go to jail uh, Wanting no place for that Seen a nigga smoke crack Seen a nigga shoot smack Seen his whole vein collapse uh, Bounce Bounce Yeah Intersection of Flamingo and Cobalt Let's rise yeah. Who do you consider deep then? You're 32 years old now. You've been poor. You've, you've been wealthy. Um, you have a great platform. Um, you are a professional. You are one of the best people to ever, you know, do your job. Who's deep to you now? As far as musically? Musically, yes. Um, I think what makes an artist great, and granted, we didn't get a chance to Not see Not great, this but deep. Yeah, so what makes an artist great to me is his depth. So, okay. Oh, okay, my uh, bad, sorry. No, you're good. Uh, but what makes an artist great to me is the fact that he grows with his audience, right? And it's, it's the reason why I relate to a lot of rap today is because, one, it's not my generation, but two, uh, it's, I, I, I can't grow with it. Like, if you still pushing bricks at 40 years old, like, I just can't relate to that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm not selling dope. I'm not even trying to... I'm not it's not interesting to me. Um and it's actually detrimental to what I'm trying to accomplish as a as a as a black man. So and not not to downplay trap music, you know, I get it. It's it's fun, I get it, but it's just not my type of feel. And so when I look at somebody like 
like Jay-Z, and granted, he'll, he'll throw a brick line in there every now and then, but for the most part, his content uh, touches on so many other levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, emo- emotionally, as an adult, uh, fiscally, he's trying to trying to get people to understand certain things about finances, like that it's not really necessarily new information to me, but it's really dope hearing it in this art form. And mm-hmm. and he does it in a way that's extremely clever and extremely deep to me. Cool. And I figured you would say Jay-Z. And I did some more research and found out that you kind of like him too. <laughs> that's my guy. Um, I listened to your song. Uh, I think it's called uh, Joy. Mm. Um, you sound like J. Cole mixed with Big Sean to me a little bit. And that's interesting. It, it is. But tell me. Tell me about why you started music, why you decided. I know you said that at 12 years old, you started to do music. I know you play piano. Um, why did you start? Like, do you think that music is like your gift or do you think it's just something that you enjoy? Uh, I know that your project, you you teamed up with Title and um, Uninterrupted to do like a docu-series on the project as well. So talk about the the, the project, your album, and why you decided to to join the music world. Yeah, so I've been I've been making music since I was twelve, and so um, it's it was really my first passion. Um, I loved it more than I love ball, um, and everybody feels like they're good at what they love, right? Mm-hmm. If they're honest, if they're well, some people aren't honest with themselves, but I felt like I, I felt like I was, and I felt like I am. And uh, as a as a kid making music, you know, you got your little inner circle, and you pass your music around, and everybody's yeah, it's dope. And as I grow, as as I'm growing itself as an artist, those um those conversations with my people they kind of start to change from like yo this is this is not only dope like yo I bumped it I don't care if mm-hmm. you made it or not and so conversation kind of to change I started seriously started thinking about you know just putting a project out seeing how it, it, it felt and sounded um and that was around 2000 probably like 11 or 12. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I always felt like I, I couldn't, I couldn't really give the project the love I, I felt it, it, it deserved. I couldn't respect the craft the way I, I wanted to, um, being in the NFL because I just had to devote so much time to that. So I waited till I was done and, um, I put together probably like 30 songs. And from there we picked the, the best ones where I thought that was, that could resonate and, and and exemplify what I was trying to convey as an artist, and uh, it came out well. It got it got, it got received well. Uh, like I said, like you said, title title uh, helped roll it out along with uninterrupted. And uh, I got an EP coming out next month. That's um that's actually uh, Mass Appeal signed on to, and so they're gonna help us roll it out. And uh, yes, I, I feel like. It's it's just something that I'll I'll be doing whether anybody's listening or not. It's therapeutic. It helps me, um, and it's something that I feel like uh, I can do really well. Well, I I listen. I took a quick listen, and you know, at first I was ready to trash you because I'm always ready to trash athletes that do music. It just <laughs> goes hand in hand. You are you are talented. Like I I have nothing negative to say. Like nothing. Uh, I think that. Uh, I needed to give it another listen because I like to listen to something all the way through, you know, uninterrupted and give it my good, good opinion. But one song that stuck out to me was a song called Amen. 
And this song, I, I know that you identify as an atheist. Has that changed? No. Okay, so when I heard Amen, I was like, oh God, I gotta hear, I wanna hear what this is about. And it sounds like you're kind of being an asshole to people in religion, kind of in a fun way, in a very creative way, and a talented way. Um, tell me about your your journey, your journey with religion and how you became an atheist. Actually, um, not necessarily just to, to your point, I'm not necessarily being an asshole. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's it's just kind of like trying to turn the tables on somebody to get them to see. Like, I, I, I know when every time I go into like a religious conversation with somebody, I'm not going to change their mind for right. the most part. But what you're really doing is you're talking to the people who are kind of on the fence. And and so like it's kind of trying to show the logical flaws in some of the thinking of religious ideologies. And so that was kind of poking fun at that, not necessarily being an asshole. But <laughs> Uh, so the journey was, uh, it was a lifelong journey, right? So I did, I didn't, I wasn't born, um, thinking this way. I was actually raised Muslim. Uh, I grew up in a household where, um, my father was a, a FOI Muslim. And so that was like under Elijah Muhammad and Minister Farrakhan. And so those particular Muslims are, excuse me, those particular Muslims are extremely, uh, well-read. And so my father knew his Bible back and forth, knew his Quran back and forth, well versed in uh, uh, all, pretty much all religions and all, and politics because uh, in America that's that's it's what it's about. Um, and so I was I grew up in a household where the Jehovah's Witness would knock on the door, and my dad would invite him in, and we'd have two hour conversations with him. That's the kind of household I grew up in, and so throughout that throughout that journey, I just saw as I'm as I'm growing up as a young man in high school, I just see a lot of inconsistencies with the faith, and a lot of it just starts to not make sense to me, and so I kind of ditched it probably when I was in early high school, just kind of ditched it. Mm -hmm. um, and as I grew in college, I was still I was still praying. I was still believing that there was a higher power and uh, probably as I'm exiting college, I get a little more uh, uh, militant with it, <laughs> a little more, <laughs> a little more aggressive. A little more and, real. Yeah. And after a while, I just feel like it's the whole thing is a hoax. Um, the more and more research that I did, I felt like it's a hoax. I felt like it's, um, it has all of the signs. I mean, it's damn near a cult. I mean, no disrespect mm -hmm. anybody's face, but that's just how I viewed it. Um, but it got, it got to the point more and more where um, it, it just all of the signs looked like it was it was an institution set up to control people, and that's how I saw it. And and so as as I as I grew in, in my understanding of myself. Um, It really, the like I said, I was still believed in the higher power, but after a while, that started to make less and less sense to me as well, and it just kind of felt like I was talking to myself. And then you you become a, a worldly citizen, and you start looking at at something like the problem of evils, what they call it in philosophy, and um, a lot of philosophy really. I took philosophy in college, while I majored in it in college, right. and a lot of things uh, just logically don't line up for for me, and 
say all that long as shit to say there, there came a point where I felt like I couldn't lie to myself anymore and hold on to this without any kind of solid evidence. And so I'm not an and atheism gets it gets misrepresented mm-hmm. a lot. It's uh, a lot of people think that you're asserting that there is no God. So you're saying I know that there's no God. That's not that's not the case. Um, it's just a, it's just a position on a, a position on a claim. So if you say that there there is a God, I say I don't I don't believe you. It's not saying that there isn't. It's just saying I don't believe the claim. And so that's that's where I'm at currently in my theological beliefs and I, I don't see it changing surely as I'm speaking by the spirit of God that is a word for a person right now that is God penetrating your heart it's burning on the inside of you and you need to make a vow of faith of a thousand dollars oh Bob couldn't you say 25 no, 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 no. Uh, I'd rather pray to Jesus then Jesus, at least this nigga can give me some new Adidas 50 cc's of morphine is peace nowadays Left a piece of my heart in East LA Met a crackhead on the corner Said he was one class from getting a diploma But a gunshot left him in a coma Ever since then, it's crack pipes and coronas Oh, and all the judgment, holier than thou Are you looking down instead of asking how? Are you look around, the hood is like a warfare And the news don't even want to report that They just distorting numbers, ain't no support there But I know it's all the same story Devil done came for me He won't let go It's real niggas here That they won't let blow It's truth out here That they won't let go It's youth out here That they won't let grow Yeah, I know I'm drinking Yeah, I know I'm smoking uh, Man, I ain't crazy But I'll probably never see you again I know I'm drinking Yeah, I know I'm smoking Man, I ain't crazy, but I'll probably never see you again I mean, it's, it, 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 would, it would take, I don't know, it would take an extraordinary There's not enough episode. evidence. There's too much evidence against it, you know? That's basically what it is. People think that I'm an atheist. And I get called an atheist a lot. And I always thought that that word meant that you don't believe that there's a higher being. I still do. I pray to the sun. That's what I consider the higher being. Uh, I don't believe any religion um, is real. All of it is fake. It's all used to control people and to, and in a good way originally, to just kind of make people feel uh, accountable and give them some type of fake morals and some some book to to follow um, and to to be included into a group of people and to belong, you know. And I have always seen religion as a way for people to position themselves as well. And so I always said, if I were ever to be a, a claim a religion, it would be the Nation of Islam because at least I know that their their core, you know, moral belief and package is about the black person, the black man or woman, you know, and um, that that would be the only reason I would ever claim a religion is because I was basically doing this as a cult, as a following with my own people. You know, other than that, no, I'm I'm not practicing any religion. I get a lot of hell. People call me anti-Semite just because I said some uh, the Jew brothers, the Jew buddies in the NFL always make sure that they keep each other employed. And I found out that if you say the word Jew, that that means you're anti-Semitic. And I was like, what? You can't abbreviate Jew? 
Then I found that you couldn't abbreviate transgender and call them trans. Like there's just a lot of stuff that I was just like, oh Lord, like I can't even keep up. No, yeah, that's a that's an interesting topic right there. Um, the the labeling of anti semites. What's interesting is, uh, as it's funny, is if like it's that's why I say when we when I was growing up, the Nation of Islam wanted you to be uh, well read in your Bible, well read in your Quran, and understand the basis of politics because this that's what this world revolves around. It revolves around those books, and if you like no no right wing conservative said anything to Kanye West about being racist when he said being a slave was a choice and that essentially we should get over slavery. But if Kanye West was to have said we need to get over the Holocaust, it was a long time ago, he would have he would have been blackballed. Mm-hmm. And that it's a, it's an interesting uh, dichotomy that they place themselves in. I mean, I, I know where it's rooted at. We all do, but and I'm not even I'm not saying we should get over the Holocaust. I think we should remember it, and I think we should remember slavery. It was a horrific event in our human history that we need that we're still healing from. But the hypocrisy in 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 the in the black plight is it's obvious in this country and by by saying it uh you you, you are get <laughs> well yeah you get thrown in it's like I've, I've noticed like you get thrown in this like it's like a pejorative now like the sjw like if you're like for fighting for civil rights is a is a is a negative it's insane yeah well that's the same thing as you know i imagine um the korean or asian community or the the indian or um, any community, the white community, if they were to see their children's uh, or their their husbands and fathers' bodies um, murdered on the streets every day by the police, you know, how would they feel? You know, how would they handle that? You know, and this country has decided that it's okay that we see our own bodies dead on the streets every day and nothing's being done about it at the hand of police mostly. And I think that also goes into the whole thing with what you said about Kanye, you know, saying that about slavery is they're okay if he says something negative or or what's seen as negative to black people. You know, it's fine. It's not a big deal. It's nothing. He's right. (laughs) You know, as opposed to if he was right about something with their religious beliefs or their, you know, historical beliefs, um, it would it would be a whole nother tsunami in another direction. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, you talked about um, college. You went. You were a philosophy major mm-hmm. in college, and uh, I don't want to talk about philosophy. But what I do want to talk about is <laughs> the fact that um, you stay. At, you had an incredible junior year in college, and you decided to stay and uh, continue your senior year, which I believe caused you to be undrafted in the NFL and. Um, then I read that you were honest about taking money in college. And so I was wondering if you stayed because it was giving you a bag. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, that's no, they wasn't giving me that much. Nah. Um, no, nah, yeah, so I stayed in college because uh, it's just stupid. So like I got a, 
they have this thing called the NFL Advisory Committee, and you send in your your highlight, essentially like your best five games and your highlight reel, and then they kind of surmise where they think you'll go in the draft. And usually it's it's pretty accurate. Um, and so they said they gave me a second round grade, and my ego got the best of me, right? So I was like, shit, if I get second grade, second round grade now, if I just wait a year, play out these games. I can I can get in the first round next year, and that's a that's a huge difference. I think the average uh, second round pick at that time was probably like one one point two one point one something like that, mm-hmm. and then the first round grade you can get you can get you can get eight figures you know depending on where where you go, and so my ego uh, caused me to stay. My ego thinking that I can get in the first round somehow, um, which was stupid. It it just it was just a dumb thought like. <laughs> I know you probably bothers you now, especially since you're open and honest about the NCAA needing to pay athletes and how you feel about, you know, you were taking money and you felt like what was the problem with it, you know? Well, no, I, it's not that I, it doesn't bother me now. Like, I've made peace with all my decisions in my life. Mm-hmm. That, um, uh, I think it's it's just indicative of the mindset that they that they keep their athletes in and that they're they they don't necessarily give you it's it's in their best interest to to keep you there and to make you feel like everything is okay right and i did i thought i thought everything was okay and i mean i mean well for the most part i knew there was inconsistencies with the system but not to the extent that I do now as a grown man. Like I would have, I would have done some shit. Like I would have, I would have sat out or something like that as a starter. You know, I said I'd have organized more. I'd have tried to unionize. I just didn't understand as a kid. You coming out and you you come from nothing and you're seeing this opportunity. So you 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 kind of just play the game the best you can, which is why I don't fault athletes in 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 collegiate sports right now for any kind of major protests. Yeah. You spoke about how, you know, you were open and honest and saying, like, you know, if this gets Tennessee suspended, which I think it did um, when you were talking about taking money and, you know, saying to your coach, um, either you're going to feed me or I'm going to do something crazy to feed myself because you were struggling in college. You didn't have money. You had to make choices on food or, you know, what, you know how you were going to live. Um, speak to my listeners a little bit, Come, you know, because you were a college uh, football player at Tennessee, speak to the listeners about how you agree that um, a college education is not free, especially when um, so much money is being made. It's a billion dollar industry right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when I was in college, I, I have no idea what it is now, but when I was in college and you, I was living on campus, I got a check for $85 a month. And we had a meal plan that that was a kitchen, so that a kitchen that that, that gave you meals, um, which was, I mean, very average food. Uh, but they gave it to you three times a day um, through the weekdays, and the weekends you got you had to fend for yourself. And that's what that eighty five dollars a month was for. So a college kid not knowing how to manage money, eighty five dollars for let's say for the four. So let's see. Four, sorry, four weekends of mm-hmm. a month. That's the eighty-five dollars is supposed $41 to be forty-one dollars a week. No, twenty-one dollars right, so, a week. Right. So, so 
that's supposed to feed me. That's supposed to, I, I can't get any clothes. I can't get any, like, you know what I'm saying? I can't take care. Of, I can't get a job still at this point. I don't know what it is now, but during, during my tenure, you couldn't get any kind of job. So we couldn't work. So like, that's, that's what we had to work with. And so a lot of us had to, a lot, of, a lot of cats took out loans. A lot of cats had Pell Grant, um, depending on how much uh, money your parents made. So, uh, yeah, so we were struggling in college. It was it was a it was like we all pitched in money together. We did what we had to do. I know some cats that used to sell sell drugs. I know some cats used to yeah, we used to do stupid shit. Was kids need to do. Yeah, and so um, and so that. When you when you explain this to somebody, there's there's two there's two sides to this, right? And this is just this is pretty much with any kind of point, especially political. But there there are people that believe that because you are getting the quote unquote free education, that that is that is enough, right? That is enough. And then there are some people who who think that that is not enough. And so there's not there's no amount of logic that I can convince somebody that athletes should be paid at that level there's there isn't enough lo- because they don't they're not thinking from the same logical axioms that mm-hmm. i'm that i am right like so if i say my coach if they if they view me as an amateur player and then my coach should be an amateur coach why right. is he making millions of dollars they 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 don't view that as any kind of logical point they say that's his job but they don't see that he's coaching somebody his job is to coach somebody and make sure that play. they perform. Yeah, and so like the it, the NCA is the only. It's insane. It's the only business that I know in the world where the interns are the product. It's insanity. It's and crazy, I, I don't, right? I don't know any other institution where that's the case. Like imagine. Right. I can't even I can't even think of a good example. There, isn't so any. there is no yeah. way it doesn't make sense. You're 100 percent correct. Yeah. And what I've always said is this. This is this is what I said. If the NCAA doesn't want to pay athletes, they should not televise the sport. They shouldn't sell merchandise. They shouldn't do any of that. If you want to watch a college sport, you have to purchase a ticket and be in the building. And the money for the tickets should be at a normal, reasonable price, and that should be donated to the to the organization. Otherwise, you need to pay the athletes. It's 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 it, 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 usually this is what I this is what I find, and and I don't like making blanket statements. But what I find is a, it's the majority of people that I just pure anecdote. But the majority of people that I talk to that that are advocates for 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 players not getting paid, they're usually conservative, right? They're they're Correct. conservative politically. Here's the funny part: is conservatives usually, by definition, are capitalists. They believe in the free market, right? <laughs> so, you mean to tell me the only place in this entire country where a a a citizen of the United States should not get his fair market value is in the national? Collegiate Athletics Association. Why is that? Because it's probably to me is because they they don't believe that for for the specifics. And it's sad because football and basketball dominate most of the income you know generated for for college sports. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah. And those two sports are dominated by black athletes. 
I would agree with that. But see, the reason why I don't even like mentioning that point is because if you want to make any kind of prog- progress, saying that to people and trying to convince them, like anytime you put race on the table, which is it's just stupid to me because this country is founded on racism. Founded. Every, the, the bones of this single, country. Yeah, every single... I, it's hard. You'll be hell pressed to find a situation in this country that doesn't somehow, some way, revolve around race. That's just how this country is founded. And but when you but, but when you put race on the table, you 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 shut off an entire section of of people that you're trying to convince. They don't even want to hear it. And so, like, I, I feel like progress can't be made unless there's other ways to convince people yes. because that that'll that'll just fall on deaf ears. So I try I try not to. To, to, to go that route because when you say race in anything today you just lose you lose people and I, I try not I try to be as logical and 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 level-headed as possible when talking about these kind of things because there's we've made a lot of progress like like now because of uh, uh, the legislation that was pushed by Ed O'Bannon and and the documentaries that we, we took part in we put pressure on the NCA and now the NCA uh, can feed them three meals a day every single day, food on demand. So like, mm-hmm. there's no limit on how how their school can feed them now. That's because of the work that Ed O'Bannon and we did, right? And it's sad that you even have to do that, but yeah, know. of course I, they would fight to give these cats food. Um, but the in, the interesting thing is like we suffer from like Stockholm syndrome. So so like when I when I came out and said I got money, I got so much backlash from NFL players. I, I won't name it here, of course, but I, I got so much backlash. Like, oh man, you snitching, man. Why you snitching? I'm like, nigga, this is not the drug game. What the right. fuck are you talking this about? Ain't, like, yeah. like, I was like, first of all, I was like, I was like, first of all, this is not drugs, nigga. So I'm not snitching on anybody. Second of all, I didn't tell on anybody. All I said was, yeah, it happened. And right. And, and to your point, you said that they got um. Tennessee got investigated. Nothing ever happened. And I knew was nothing was going to happen because every time I got money, I got it in cash. So I knew they mm-hmm. couldn't trace cash. So like the NCAA actually called me after the after that documentary dropped and they said, well, we're going to conduct an investigation. And they said, well, you comply. I said, no, absolutely not. But good luck. And I hung <laughs> up the phone. Like, right. fuck that. That would I be hate- snitching. Yeah. And so, and so like, so like, but the, but this is what I try to get cast to understand. Like imagine next year, <clears throat> The the national before the national championship game or or whenever they do the press run for the national championship game, basketball or football, every single player on the team says I received improper benefits. Do you think that those sponsors will let that game get canceled? Hell no. Fuck no. It's going so this down. This is why I this is why I, I try to tell casters like, oh yeah, I said it. I said, and you should too, because what are they going to do? They're going to strip every single school of every single national title since 1950 because. Because dog, all you niggas got paid. We all got money on the side. Get the yeah. fuck out of here. Yeah, like, and that's but y'all niggas are just scared of these paper sharks. Who who is the NCA? And once they break down that imaginary wall and everybody admits it, it'll be then it'll you be, can come to a conclusion on how much y'all should get at this point. Like this should be a job at this point. And my <laughs> me personally, I don't even think you should have to go to school. I think that if you're gonna if you're gonna be a, a college athlete and they're gonna pay you money, school should be what well, if you choose to or not. It's my opinion. I, no, I actually said this when I um, when I went on Rogan, um, and it, <clears throat> some of my dad hit me to a while ago. There, there's no reason why, <clears throat> excuse me, there's no reason why uh, kids shouldn't be able to major in their sport. Yeah, like, like why can't you major? Like, I, like I should be able to graduate in a degree of 
yeah, with, with a degree in whatever their perspective sport is. Like, there's no reason why we shouldn't. Like, for some reason, it's not, it's not, it's not looked upon as like I can go get a sociology degree. I can get a bachelor's in sociology. I can get a back uh, a bachelor's in in psychiatry, and I can go be a psychiatrist. But how many jobs that I can go get uh, a bachelor's degree from? Where the very next year I can make minimum three hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. It's rare. That very would be considered. Rare. A crazy job right mm -hmm. and, and and make upwards of of 15 million dollars right so there's there's no reason why that profession isn't it, it shouldn't be viewed as one a farm team but two you should be able to graduate in that in that field because there's so many there's so much more involved then you can get deeper and actually educate the, athletes. the curriculum yes the curriculum yeah, will be on, sick on, on budgeting the, on the ins and outs on the end yeah on, the, on money business on on the business side of it on the relationship branding that, yourself that family brand contracts uh relationships outside women yeah. uh, all of this stuff that would be incredible but they i i i, I think that it that, that it they're incentivized by keeping athletes stupid Yep. and keeping them in these systems that bind them and hinder them, such as the agents. Agents should be done away with. Agents are middlemen. There's no reason why there should be agents anymore. And I know my ex-agents probably would hear that and be, be pissed off. But like, I remember a, a perfect example is like we just pay agents to, to quote unquote negotiate our contracts. But your 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 market value is based on your play and so you just need somebody to understand the lingo that those teams talk to you at, mm -hmm. um, with and so there should be a, a system set up where you you pay a flat fee just like any other contract if you go to a lawyer you play a, pay a flat fee or hourly rate and you say this is the yeah i'm, I'm charging x amount of dollars sixty thousand dollars to negotiate my contract there isn't a lawyer out there that wouldn't take sixty thousand dollars to negotiate a contract, but you got you got these 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 agents that have convinced people that I deserve three percent of your contract, one percent of your, any percent of it. It's ridiculous. You didn't earn none of that shit. I think what none they've earned is leverage. That's the one thing that I I agree with some agents when when they speak about needing an agent, and I, it has played a role in my husband's career where. Agents use their leverage to get you a certain amount of money. Like when a, when a team is trying to strong arm you or, you know, not move up that extra one million, that extra 500,000 or whatever, and you use your leverage with other players to force their hand, per se, to go up. Yeah, I disagree. Like, like th think about it from an owner's perspective. You're you're the owner of a team, or the GM of a team, or whoever's ha handling mm -hmm. the finances of the, of the situation. Like, why would I pay more money to a player that I don't think is is, is an extra one million dollars, but I'm gonna give it to him because I have good business ties with this agent? That doesn't even make any sense. Well, no, I think not like um, good business ties, more of like a respectable business tie, and it just any sense in a league where they're continually trying to fuck the players why would i why would i pay a player more just because i respect the agent more that doesn't make any sense i think it is of my opinion mm -hmm. that that's the lie that Ellis, that these agents sell to the players well i, I you know I, I have a good relationship with the falcons gm so let me see what i can like dog these 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 teams don't give a 
a flying fuck about players. No, I don't mean don't in the, I don't mean in the relationship. I mean in the sense of like, let's say I'll give you an example. Let's say a, a agent has a corner and a tight end and a quarterback on the team that they represent. I have seen it where agents will say, "Well, if you sign him to this, then when we negotiate this player, I won't, you know, do this, or I'll try to talk them into doing this or that." Like they've done that quite often. If that's the case, if that's the case, that's even worse reason. It is is awful, but it can it can be. That's why I said it could be in your advantage. It could be. That's gross because somebody's taking that L, which is Mm -hmm. why I say it's. It's pointless. It's just a, it's just a game. The way the system was set up, and it's it's how it's being ran, and there's no reason why uh, there there shouldn't there shouldn't be like the, the, for let's say for instance for shits and giggles for sake of conversation, the FLPA should have in lawyers, and 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 they should have all these relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And they should they should charge a flat fee. Agents are middlemen that are raping players. I, I I would agree with you on a on a certain point with that. I absolutely would. I was just saying that there could be an advantage to having an agent as opposed to not. But I definitely hear your point. Um, let's let's move on a little bit because I know you got drafted, you undrafted, and you went you signed with the Texans because you felt you know made more the most sense to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what I wanted to talk about with the Texans is your your owner, um, who is now deceased, Bob McNair. And when he compared football players to um, um, which are his employees, he compared them to inmates. And you said, it, I, "Why is anyone surprised? He's an eighty year old white man." And I was like, "Fact." Like I I say this all the time, and people get so upset about it. But I say, if anybody isn't seventy to some some even 60 but 70 to 90 year old white person there's a great chance that they were a racist yeah because at that time in their era that was the cool thing to be and it was the most popular thing to be so if they're still alive now they have had to do either a full 180 or they're hiding who they were before and so yeah it, I mean, go ahead no, I, just said, I don't necessarily think that um yeah, it's just not a it's not a surprising surprise. It wasn't a surprising thing to me. Um, it makes sense. Like I said, he's man. How he was like eighty something. Like, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't necessarily the popular thing to be. What it was was it was the it was this it was the psychology of that time. Mm-hmm. And, and because that was the psychology, like he was raised more than likely unless he was the outlier which i highly doubt because he's from texas i believe yes and so the what was what was common then was that the it was the superiority complex of of our people and so it doesn't it doesn't surprise me is why i don't really spend too much time Trying to change old white people's minds because they're, they're set in their ways. ways. Yeah, they're stuck. When he died, uh, I saw several players writing like a eulogy to him on their social media, thanking him for giving them something they clearly worked for, which is an opportunity to play professional football. But they were just saying things like, you know, had you not given me that chance, I, you know, I might not be who I am today. And I just want to throw up. Every time I hear 
people say that because it's like, what are you, what are you doing? Take out the fact that he might be a racist white man. Let's take that away. You're pretty much saying that this man who doesn't more than likely knows nothing about the sport, he just happens to make have enough money to own the team, is the only reason that you are where you, who you are, where, where you are as a person, as opposed to like your hard work. Have you ever like thanked an owner or, or somebody for for your opportunity? <laughs> Uh, have I ever thanked an owner for my opportunity? Well, I, have I ever thanked an owner for my opportunity? No. Um, maybe the GM, which was Rick Smith, um, uh, and the head coach. I said, I appreciate y'all bringing me in, something like that. But never, never in the, in the made me who I am type. That's, I don't understand that shit at all. And I, I, I used to buck that, that thought when I was in the league. I remember we used to sit down there. We used to watch this video. And they used to tell you how much it was a how much of a privilege it was to play in the NFL. I used to be like, "What the fuck are y'all talking yeah, about?" It's great. And they used to like they used to try to brand it to me or, or us. I'm sorry. They used to try to brand it to us. And I remember Chris Carter used to say that he's all passionate. He's like getting all teary eyed. He's like, "It's a privilege to wear that shield." And we do one. I used to think like, "What the?" I'm like, "Yo, how how yeah, how fucking brainwashed are you, family?" Like, it's not a privilege, though. It's, like, they, they, and, they, and they even say it's not a privilege. It's it's a it's not a right, it's a privilege. And I'm like, what, what, like, in a sense, I understand what they're talking about, but I don't think they're being that particular with the words. And I don't think they're being that uh, intricate with their language. They're trying right? to brainwash you, essentially what it is. Well, what I'm saying is, is, by that logic, everything is a privilege. You know what I'm saying? Waking up in the morning is a privilege. Being able to brush your teeth is a privilege. Working right? at McDonald's so like, is a privilege. Yeah, it is. And so, like, and that's what I try to like. So, like, I don't think they're being that particular with the language. And if, and if there is, then this isn't for them. But if they're trying to, the connotation of privilege, like, um, uh, you didn't earn that right to be there. Okay. Is fucking is fucking horseshit, and I hate it. And, be, and the reason why I hate it, not just because I think it's inaccurate, but I think what it does is it 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 creates the mindset in these players that they are not owners and they are not businessmen and they are not um, businesses. Their own corporation. Yeah. And so it, it, it perpetuates this hierarchy in the NFL, like you have the authority, which is the owners and the GMs and the coaches, and then you have the workers who are the are the players. It creates that 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 dogma that pisses me off because then when the CBA negotiations negotiations come around, you lose all your leverage mm -hmm. because because cats are not because cats are not viewing themselves as a corporation with, with, with the value that they are and so um i say i say all that to say uh no nah, i never i never i never viewed or or myself like that i never viewed an owner like you you saved me type shit like yo if, if something else was was paying i would have busted my ass and to done do that, that too yeah and so like, like uh, way. yeah granted you might have said yeah i like i like the way he runs so let's bring him in cool like Good looking on on thinking that that was the case, but but and and I wasn't drafted too, so it wasn't like you picked me out. Like like, like y'all just thought I was gonna be a camp body anyway, so it wasn't. I never felt too like thankful, like you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like it was like it was like y'all y'all probably just thought I was gonna come in here and 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 give the the starter some rest or whatever. 
but so I so when I earned my way, I earned my way. So I, I like I I never really felt like they gave you something. Nah, nah, they, y'all didn't give me anything. Right. <laughs> so that's just how I felt. But like I said, the 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 branding and how they brand players, I hate that that mindset, and I never uh, I never mm-hmm. came to that. So you played seven years in the NFL, um, and you still hold records with the Texans in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. Um, even you and you played seven years. Uh, I, I have a feeling I know what the answer to this question is, but I want to know why you have, <clears throat> why you abruptly retired from the NFL. Uh, it was multifaceted. Um, uh, the main reason was that I just. It just wasn't in me no more. I just didn't feel, I just didn't have that same passion. Um, uh, I always loved the game. I always loved the game. You know, what it did for me as far as the the therapy it provided, the financial resources it, 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 it provided. Um, but there there comes a certain time where, uh, like I remember in the height of my career, I used to love getting up at five in the morning and working out like I used to fiend for that shit. I used to, I used to love that shit because I knew I was getting the edge on my, on my, on my opponents. Like I used to love it. And then there, be, there came a time 29, 30 years old where I, 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 I would wake up like, yo, my heart is not in it. I'm, I'm going through the motions. My heart isn't in it anymore. And when your heart isn't in it, in such a physically demanding sport. Uh, you can get seriously injured and you can seriously injure somebody else. So, I knew I knew that it was it was time to tap out. Um, and, Especially in and running I, back. Yeah, running back is a different is a different piece. Well, so I know you had a lot of injuries though. Like you, I know you had fourteen surgeries, and mm-hmm. I'm I read somewhere that you know you spoke about how your body feels, and and even though you can do everything every normal human being can do, you have a lot of aches and a lot of pain. Um, <clears throat> and your song called "Got It." You uh, talked about, you know, being afraid of being in a wheelchair by the age of 50. And so I was wondering, do you regret the NFL? Like, do you, is there anything inside of you that wishes that you didn't play, that you didn't do it, like you did something else? I wouldn't say regret. Regret means like I, from my vantage point, like when you say regret, it's like you kind of mull over the decision. Like, no, I don't, that doesn't happen. But what I do know is when, as I as I mature as the as the man I am today, I know what served me as a young man and a teenager and a kid. It's it's not gonna serve me when I'm 40, 50, 60 years old. And that is information that is going to uh, help me grow as a human being. And so I, I'm I'm unsure like like if I had to do it again like I'm unsure that I would play football again so it's not that I regret it it's just that I understand that it, I was just as a kid growing up when you just come from nothing like you're just so one track minded that um you don't really think of anything else like I don't I didn't think of the consequences to my body I didn't think of the consequences to my brain I didn't think of the fact that um I spent my entire life getting to this goal and it was going to end abruptly and and I, and you kind of have to rebuild yourself and you have to do it um it, it's a, it's a weird process because you, you spend your life being this alpha you spend your life being 
um, so sure of everything. And then it ends and you kind of have to build yourself up again with the confidence uh, and uh, the stigma of ex-athlete, right? And so, and so you have to believe in yourself even more. And so it's a lot more stress. It's a lot more pressure um, than, than it should be. Um, because there's, there's two things everybody hates ex-athletes and rappers. <laughs> like nobody <laughs> likes, nobody likes those things. And You're my dumb dead ass, once you retire. Yeah. No one wants to hear what you have yeah, to nobody, say. Nobody You're not cares. important anymore. No, nobody as, long as, you, as soon as you take that shield off, you're nobody. Yeah. And so, and so my dumb ass decided to do both. <laughs> yeah. Look, look, nigga, we go back like four flats on a Cadillac. We're from Mad Dog 2020 to some OE. Then we drink a yak now. Nah, I ain't even drinking that. Couple shots of Louis cost about a rack. Spend it for my dog now. Nah, I don't even call. Fuck us up with that. This is facts, and I hate I had to put a real nigga in a fucking rap. But I always had your motherfucking back. Now, when you see me, probably wanna scrap. Nah, I'm cool off of all of that shit. Fuck a sale when you living well, and you marking cities off on your atlas. Three women hugging on your mattress, and you flip them out, that's a hat trick. Got the whole world doing backflips, you just doing you. And you always end up on somebody blacklist. It's the shit though. Even though I feel like I'm the only one that didn't skit. So all your friendships is in limbo. And you looking funny at your kinfolk. But it's all good. It's all hood. I'm always looking at the other side. Like my mother side. Like when my mother cried tears. Cause a brother died here. Yeah, now it's real here. Got a feel here. Nobody thought I'd get a bill here. And I'm still here. Even though I know I'm probably gonna be 50 in the wheelchair. But my fam good and my kids straight. 29 and not an inmate. Something these niggas couldn't dictate. Just a Little nigga with a big plate and a big pawn with a fish hate. Everybody in it, that's why I'm only here for a minute. Can't kick it in the post, gotta pivot. Gotta get it while the getting's good. But it's getting bad, cause everybody's sticking at their hand. But don't nobody wanna grab nothing, yeah. To me, that was the beauty of it. It was I got to I got to rediscover myself. I got to reinvent myself, and I get to be authentically who I am. Like I get to walk around and be mm-hmm. who I who I actually am, which Without is hard. That shield to do. holding you back and forcing you well, to comply. Towards with... the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's when I really realized I didn't want to play anymore because towards the end of my career, I started to be myself, and I realized how much I didn't fit in that system, and. And how much I started to not get along with the with the whole organization mindset, and it just it I don't know it, I just didn't fit in there, and, and and so now that I'm coming into my own again, because I th- I believe everybody when they retire you have to reinvent yourself, or it's it's just a rough road, man, because it's when you when you retire you have to you have to know yourself, 
things come into play. Your ego comes into play, your desires, and and you have to know what they are as a man. And uh, it's hard for people to do that. And I, I think I was just lucky in having this creative niche to express myself in a unique way. You're, chop, you're um, chopping up right now a little bit. I'm in. A, no, I'm in the eye of the storm, man. It's, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, no, so yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you on that. Um, at first, I know that um, when Kaepernick uh, was caught kneeling, because it's not like he did this to make the statement. He was actually caught kneeling, or you know, sitting doing something he had already been doing. And at first, you said that you wouldn't have done what Kaepernick did. This is when you, after you left um, the the um, Texans. You went to Miami Dolphins, which, uh, you know, I, that's kind of where I'm most famously known for. And you were um, one of the you were behind uh, the four Dolphins players kneeling. And you guys, the Dolphins still have the longest standing group of players that are continuing to kneel in support of Kaepernick and also, you know, other other things. But you said that you wouldn't have done what Cap started, meaning like kneeling at games, um, but you joined him anyway. And supported him because uh, you said you didn't want to spar with anyone publicly on the right or wrong way to do it. Can you explain that, please? Yeah. So initially, what happened was, so he nailed or no, So you're right. So he 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 explained why he wasn't standing for the national anthem, mm-hmm. uh, the first preseason game, and and naturally when you have somebody else spoken on your team, ask them about it. So the media, the local media, asked me about it. And at that time, I didn't know what it was about. I had no clue what he was doing. I heard rumors, but it just wasn't—it wasn't on my radar. Uh, and so they asked me about it, and I was like, "Yo, yo, I, I think I understand what he's doing. Um, I, don't, I think there's a right way." I think everybody's initial response to it, right, or the conservative initial response to it, because um, I didn't really understand the depths of it. Um, I, I said, uh, I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something along the lines of, you know, I, I support his right to do it and he, you know, he could do as he pleases or whatever. And because I said that, I think I was one of the first players to publicly like say, yeah, I support what he's doing. He reached out to me and we got to, t- we got to talking a little bit and then I understood more what he was doing. Then I looked into it a little bit deeper. Uh, and after that I decided, okay, well, I'm not going to let him do this alone. Uh, and so I decided to, to take a knee with them, um, because like, like I alluded to earlier in the conversation, um, you had to be very politically aware in my household. And so we were, I've, I've always been aware of social injustice in this country. I've just been kind of fighting my own little fight in my own little world. Well, here was the great idea, in my opinion of, of Kaepernick was to, do it on a public platform and bring awareness to these issues and i was i was all for that and so i decided to 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 join him you made a comment about drew Brees. uh he tweeted that we're all going to stand together in unity um to support everyone to show that we support everyone and you were you responded and you were like why don't you just not kneel because obviously they're kneeling um to support injustices and you're trying to kneel for unity. First of all, what Kaepernick is standing is kneeling for is the fact that there is no unity is the fact that this country isn't unified and understanding that when they say um, land of the free, that means us too. And we are not free. You know, we, we are the people that are still being enslaved through um, 
the the justice system and you know the prison system and just slaves in our own community you know without um resources and education and and everything it's like keeping us you know beneath everyone and you spoke out when you said something about Drew Brees and I think Aaron Rodgers had said some stuff too um what do you think about players like Drew Brees Aaron Rodgers white popular you know faces of their franchise coming forward and trying to change the narrative of what Kaepernick and other players are trying to to continue a dialogue with um Aaron Rodgers is actually in support of the protest um I could be wrong, but that that is my. He was he was he was he straddled the fence. There was some some sides of it who absolutely agreed, and there was another side where he was like, "Well, we're going to kneel in unity," and that's a slap in the face of the protest when you say. I was, I was talking. I was talking about Aaron Aaron Rodgers. Yes, I, yes. Not, no, Aaron Rodgers said the same thing. A little bit on the unity side, he he kind of okay. straddled oh. a couple times. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this is what I say about that, right? I got death threats. I got all that shit. And so I have a little different perspective than a lot of people. And so what I said is this, I understand people that don't want to fall on. I do understand that people do. I agree with it. No, um, personally. And I said this, I said this publicly in, a, in an interview before I'll never stand for the national anthem again. Me. And it's, and it's not any, the, the the biggest reason uh, 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 upon all of the social injustice issues that cap is is is, is nailed for in the in the beginning the very song which i was enlightened to because of this protest which i had, had no idea about it before i had no reason to look into the national anthem it just was what it was to me was that it's a racist song extremely the, right so when you read the entire uh national anthem it's a racist song. He's instructing the slaves not to run away or you'll kill him. So for that reason, I'm never going to stand for the national anthem again. And so until they change that or have conversations about it, like I'm not going to stand. It has nothing to do with respect for any military, any fallen military. We all know that. So I say all that to say, I understand why people don't want to fall on that spike. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, because it takes time. Right. It's not it's not easy to understand all of these the nuances of these conversations. Like you can go you can you can you can be on quote unquote the correct side of history, which I feel like I'm on, but go into a conversation with a very well educated conservative and come out thinking that you're wrong. If you if you're not if you're not well versed in a lot of these conversations and how deep they go and how how controversial they are and 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 how uh well read you have to be in order to understand all the conversations i get that and so a lot of players especially black ones from the, from my understanding and talking to them is like yo i just don't want to get involved in that like i'm not trying to be nobody's spokesman and and a lot of them can't stand up in front of cameras and and articulate. and make political yeah articulate political points like that it's not and and they shouldn't have to have to honestly um now, white players are, are, are different to me. Like, I, I think that <clears throat> they're not invested in it and they mm -hmm. they they don't they have they have. There's nothing pulling them to that 
to that other than like I think Chris Long is the closest that was in the NFL that that really understood and took a side mm-hmm. and and felt like I, I felt like he was on the right side because he made it not about the military right which was a straw man to begin with but so like when when I hear when I hear these when I hear these quarterbacks when I hear uh, these people say we want to unity to me I hear all lives matter yeah right? me too and so, and so <laughs> I I just I just tend not to give it any credence because one is I'm like I'm not gonna change I'm not gonna change your mind you're you're the face of an organization if a white quarterback kneels in these faces of the organization like you're gonna lose millions of dollars and so. That's 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 a big issue. Like they they don't they, they'll protect that, and so, and that's what I don't like about the NFL in 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 general is they're they're so reactive, and that's that's all they give a fuck about is their do- bottom line bottom line anyway. But so, all of these all of these cats that are doing that, that's like I said, I, I hear all lives matter, and when that comes out, all I can say is like i'm not going to change your mind and so i'm not going to mm-hmm. try to my sister's an activist in atlanta currently and she is extremely pro-black she's pan-africanist um and she says all the time she's like i don't have time to be trying to change white people's minds it's right. not i'm not going to do it i got my fight is to help my people your own people move forward and understand and so and, educate. and so i'm i'm a little less militant than she is i'm a little more um diplomatic but I understand her sentiment. And so when I hear that, I just hear you're spewing out talking points and you don't really understand the nuances of this conversation. And it's it's not worth even the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that you said that um you tweeted because people were trying to change the narrative of kneeling and um why the athletes were doing it. And you said, um you said I stood uh, our president did said something to commemorate 9-11 victims and those who lost their lives and their family. And I, I didn't kneel for that. And my question is, do you think that 9-11 was an inside job? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'll, put it, I'll put it like this. I've learned in my life that you should never, ever comment on something that you especially something of that magnitude that you have not done your due diligence in and so because it's such a controversial issue I mean I've heard arguments on both sides um, so I, I, I don't honestly have a belief one way or another I tend to lead towards no but that's just a surface level understanding of the situation. I don't, I don't know, and so I haven't, I haven't even, I've, I've, I've maybe watched one documentary on it, and so I don't have anything of value to to say yeah. about it. Well, let me just help say this to you on your journey. Hopefully, you do some research on this. I, I'm 100% believe it's in the side job. Um, arguably, the most important building in the United States is the Pentagon. Okay. Cameras everywhere, inside and out. And they, let's just ignore the Twin Towers. Let's just, I don't even want to go into how fake that was. But let's just use the Pentagon as an example. Um, Our government and our media told us a plane flew through that building. And we have not yet to this day seen any video footage of it. So why not just show us the footage if it happened? 
Man, like I said, I, I have not looked into it at all, so I couldn't. I couldn't tell you either way. I, have yeah. to, I, 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 I respect to, that I, answer. I, res- yeah, I, I, I respect that, and I like that. that. I don't know. I like that. Um, something you do know about is podcasting. Yeah. Uh, I know you have a new podcast called What Now Podcast. How did you come up with the name What Now? Well, it's actually called Now What. Oh, Now What. I, Sorry, I'm it's bad. All good. No, it's all good. It's all I, I got to smoke my weed. I ain't, I ain't high yet. Like <laughs> that. So now what? Uh, kind of, I, I was looking to kind of like brand the podcast in a way that um, could have longevity. And so now what? You know, it's fresh out of football, and it's like now what? Um, but it can easily transition into something that um, is like a current events deal or just a uh, a deep dive deal where it's like now what we talk about, like now what? And so it's just like a good little, cool little double or triple entendre that can be um, used in, in different contexts. Yes. I want to list, I want to say some of the, you've, you've, I think you have 59 episodes. The, I think today actually released 57 or something like that. Okay, so I just want to list some of the people on your podcast that I know personally um, would love to have on my podcast, or I really can't stand. But the first one I want to say is DeAndre Hopkins. Can't stand him. Um, (laughs) Why why can't you stand my guy? I'll tell you, because I know that's your guy. Uh, John Carlos, oh my God, what an honor. You know, Uh, you had Scarface on. Mm-hmm. Another honor, Jamel Hill. Uh, I would love to have her on. I feel like Jamel's one of those people that I've asked multiple times and she ignores me for whatever reason. She follows me on social media. We we dialogue in DMs, but she, you know, just never really want to have a sister girl conversation on either. And now she has a podcast, so there's no excuse because I know when she worked for ESPN, she wasn't allowed to be on my podcast because of you know what I say about ESPN. Um, but I would like to have her on, but I feel like Jamel is just one of those people that doesn't really support me. Um, Clay Travis, interesting character. Um, Deez and Mero, I know them and, and I, I would love to have them on. Charlemagne is one of my mentors. Uh, I've been on his podcast and, and Breakfast Club a few times. Maverick Carter, incredible. Snoop. Bomani Jones, good friend of mine. Joe Budden, I had him on my podcast, and we're really good friends. Deion Sanders, can't stand him. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nick Wright is one of those people that people really, really hate, but I love him for some reason. Uh, Jay Prince, who I've, I recently read, has been reading his book and learning about him. Van Lathan, who's a great friend of mine. Um Derek Grace, we planned to have him on almost a year ago, and it fell through, but I'm probably going to have him on as well. Martellus Bennett, someone I look up to. Um, These are just some of the people. Michael Rappaport, also someone that I look up to and and who I DM with quite often but doesn't want to be on my podcast. It's pretty strange because he tells me how incredible I am and how funny I am and all this stuff, but I can't get him on my podcast and I can't get on his. I don't know. But I think that your guest list, and you have lots of other people, like just not just sports, just all different backgrounds. And 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 I think that your podcast is a big ass melting pot of amazingness. And I cannot wait to like just backlog and catch up on all of them. Like you have some very interesting characters. Um, how far do you plan to take the podcast? Because I feel like this could be like a show, like your podcast could be a show that I would love to watch. I appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, no, 
the reason why I started it was really organic, actually. Um, my man, who kind of convinced me to do it in the first place, uh, he was telling me, he was like, yo, I think you need to keep your voice relevant in today's uh, society. You have a lot of shit to say. And the bigger part was that, you know, everybody likes to pretend like they haven't figured out. I admittedly don't. And so one of the dopest aspects of, of my career was uh, I was able to uh, collect a nice little uh, black book, you know, mm-hmm. of people I could call on and, and rap with. And so I felt like people think, for the for the people that know me, they know like I'm a genuine cat. And so uh, that's why, like, I mean, you named, just, just listen to the cat you named, it's like, God damn, that shit's crazy thinking back but it's like those, those are all people i know and that i respect and they respect me and i just felt like conversations with them in the open public can help me grow and maybe help somebody else and so that's kind of where it started and i don't really have an end goal or a vision with it um honestly it's just something that i that i enjoy doing i love talking to people i love diving into topics i love learning more about them. I've, I've grown a lot um uh, with the, with the process with myself, I've learned a lot about myself, and so that's where that's where it's beneficial to me. And I think those are the usually the the most potent things that happen when it's really genuine, it's really organic, and and my podcast is. So I, I can't, I don't really have a, a end game here for you, man. Oh, that's okay because it, it doesn't even have to be one. It could just grow and move however it wants to move, or stay as a podcast. I think that it's. I think that podcasting is obviously replacing radio and blogs and all that kind of stuff. And and I think that the next thing is going to be obviously the content um, being video and and growing. So I hope that you're one of the people that is allowed to do that because people like us and our voice, you know, speaking honestly and brutally honestly about truth in, in this country doesn't always get a platform. We don't always get pushed to the front like, hey, this is great content. Let's have this on HBO. Because people, this country doesn't want people to, to follow people like us because then we fuck up the systems. You know what I've noticed, man? This is what I've noticed, and I hate to say it, is um, our demographic that we're trying to reach, or I, I can't necessarily speak to you, but I, I get the sense. So what I'm the demographic that I'm trying to reach are like 20 to late thirties, you know, and, and, and above if they're interested, but we don't have a, a platform other than I would say the breakfast club, which to me is, is, is rooted in a lot of entertainment gossip. Yes. Um, and so we don't have a platform that a, a, a black platform that we can have intelligent, thoughtful, articulate conversations about society, politics, art, and culture uh, in a way that I feel is is positive. I think Charlamagne is the best job of it, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of his a lot of his demographic is rooted in that entertainment gossip. But he do, I think he does a great job. I'm a big fan. That is the homie. Um, but uh, other than that, there's not a lot of platforms for us. And so that's 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 that was one of my big goals. Honestly, is to kind of create that, and we're growing slowly, and 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 hopefully I can I can add to that that voice. But unfortunately. I think a lot of our people are drawn to that. Like a lot of mm-hmm. our people. I mean, if, if you look at um, pop culture is is black people in America. Yes. Like worldwide, pop 
pop culture is black people in America. And if you look at our biggest superstars now in hip hop, because it's the number one genre in the world, you look at a Drake, you look at a Cardi B, um, man, just take a look in their comments and take a look at the demographic and take a look. And it's not just black people, but it's, we move culture, man. So it's a lot, we make shit hot. And so a lot of our people are so focused on that stupid shit that it's just frustrating. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about their content, I'm talking about like who's fucking who and who's doing yeah. what and yada, yada, yada. It's just the most asinine shit like to, like, to the point like where like Drake, um, I noticed one day, like he posted something on Instagram and it had like 14 comments. What the fuck is going on? And then I realized he turned his comments to only people that follow him. I didn't know that was an option, but because it's just so much clutter, I get it. Yeah. Shit is mentally frustrating. Like you want to get on social media, and enjoy your experience, but here you got people talking about your baby and talking about like it's just mm -hmm. it's wild, dog. And people are like, miserable. People are miserable and unhappy, and they they want to spew that out into the world. It seems like. But more importantly, that's the that's the culture, that's the society that we cultivated. Mm -hmm. That's the society that we have built. bred. We built yeah. it, yeah. And and so I actively try to 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 not engage in that. And and part and part of that is the content that I create. Like I try mm -hmm. to create shit that is thought provoking. I try to create shit that is is like I stay away from gossip. I stay away from clickbait. Anytime mm -hmm. a big story happens, I mean it's the reason why you like you asked me. Uh, what I thought about 9/11, like, and the reason why I don't answer it is because I don't know, right? And if mm -hmm. unless I've unless I've done my due diligence, like, it's irresponsible for me to comment on it. And if more people did that, there would be less ammunition for people to 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 have conflict. Mm -hmm. But that's not the world we live in. We live in a world where conflict is actually king, and that's what runs our culture. And it's it's frustrating. And I yeah. I you know be the light you want to see in the world is the old saying. And so that's all I try to do is just try to be that little light. Yeah, I um I get a lot of people that um ask me how come because I, I have a lot of friends in the sports world and not just in NFL but a lot of athletes and a lot of people trust me with their secrets and things that are going on in their life and I never betray anything. I, I have like literally like a whole like private uh sports wife blog in my DMs on Instagram. Like you wouldn't believe some of the women that I'm like, like I'm their therapist because, you know, they tell me some of the things that they're going on. They think for some reason, you know, because they look at my social media, they think that I, I have the perfect marriage and I got it all figured out and they, they need some advice. And I, I, I let them know from jump that I'm not perfect, but I love that, you know, they're asking for help or asking, you know, somebody that they look up to. But, but what happens is, we don't function off of that. I feel like if I had my podcast where I just aired out all these people's drama and all the shit that they're going through and 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 who has a baby with who and who gave who herpes, my podcast would probably be like number one. But because I talk about things that like enrich my people, I refuse to um, diss athletes. Like I, I diss you like in a, in a way, like just a sports fan kind of thing, but I never engage in some of the fuckery that takes place with an athlete because I am a wife and, of a player. And I was also a player and I kind of know how that feels to be in the news for, for reasons that have nothing to do with shit, especially nothing that you're even talking about. And so I feel like it, we need a platform that is all positive and based on content that is informative to us and, and yes it can be funny you can you know you can have some salacious things or you know entertainment but 
the, the way we do it is it's just awful. And 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 like for the example, the shade room. I follow the shade room because they always know all the juice and all the tea and all that stuff. But but the fact that they it seems like the women that run that that blog don't do more like positive things. Like they they follow the dirt, the smut, the mess, and because that's what gets in the clicks. Like it just seems like we'll never have a platform like that because our people just aren't interested. Like right now, we're just too asleep to wake up and realize we should be using our, our time for things that help us and inform us, not just, you know, give us the latest scoop on somebody else's life. Like, don't you have your own life to worry about, your own shit to deal with? But it just seems like we all make time for everybody else's business, except our own as a people. Yes, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, man. Um, Michael Michael Jackson had a dope song um, called Tabloid Junkie. Mm. And and he talks about and he talks about that 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 part in one of the bridges is is like um he says uh he says to buy it is to feed it and that's, that's like a dope it's a powerful line to me it's like if 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 nobody followed the shade room like that shit wouldn't exist like if nobody followed Z that shit wouldn't exist but there's a demand for it mm-hmm. and so that's where my pessimism in humanity comes in is like yo. If, if 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 nobody liked fucking peanut butter, like if nobody would buy peanut butter, there would be no peanut butter manufacturers. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because there's no demand, and so be, but there's a demand for this shit, and it and that that I think the onus is on the company, but I think the more more so than anything, the onus is on the people. And right now, the people are not in a place to where like they can't view that shit as 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 self destruction. And and community and community wise, it's destructive, and it's just it's frustrating. That's why I kind of isolate myself because it's just like it's it's a tough it's a it's tough, tough. It's, it's, it's a snake eating itself, man. Oh man, well you know uh, we've been going for a minute and um, our time is up. And I could I feel like I could talk to you forever. Like there's so many things that we could just talk about, and I hope that you um, are true and want me on your podcast because I would love to be on there and and you know, have you asked me some questions and let's just have another, you know, organic and, and educating dialogue. So I just want to thank you uh, so much for joining me. I appreciate you even giving me this time, knowing that you're in the eye of the storm, your power is going in and out, but um, <laughs> you still came on. So I really want to thank you. No doubt, man. I appreciate you having me on. All right. And, and I'll be in touch too, too, because I want to come on your podcast too. And I still want to talk to you about other stuff too, off the air, which would be great. I think it'd be fun too. <laughs> Bet that. We'll we'll, we'll wrap, man, for sure. All right. Take care. (laughs) All right. You too. Okay. Peace. Um, Once again, that was Arian Foster, also known as Bobby Fino. If you're looking for his music on um, iTunes, Um, I thought this was an incredible discussion. Um, It could have gone on forever. I'll apologize again for the audio issues. Um, Just him being being dope enough to just still stick with it and repeat itself over and over um, is a blessing to me and a blessing to my listeners. Uh, I appreciate you, Mike, at Moose Cat Studios for this edit because I know it's going to be a little tricky. But um, shout out to everybody that's listening. And again, if you fuck with me and the movement, continue to pass my link around and I'll continue to give you great content. Peace. the city and I feel like Godzilla. Yeah. Ooh, fuck a peace, huh? I've been playing cool since I was knee high. 
why you shouldn't poke a beehive uh, Now a nigga sitting in a G5 I feel like a god I feel like a god I feel like a god I feel like a I feel like a god Yeah, I don't wanna do that Yeah, I don't wanna do that Yeah, I don't wanna do that Finna get it poppin' here, right now Shorty pop a bean, tell her bite down Heart match the flow and it's so cold You can tell Mickey Moto bring the price down Show up at the party, cut the lights out In the back room, fucking wifey in the white gown Can't trust nobody, that's life now Shit's getting too deep, I might drown Thoughts getting lost in this white cloud Second guessing everything I write down Put your hands in the air like you Mike Brown For all my people everywhere getting sniped down You shouldn't tussle with the guards, get your back broke Y'all swimming upstream trying to backstroke Kings in my bloodline from my black folk Handed out divinity, that's why I got me feeling like a god I feel like a god I feel like a god I feel like a I feel like a god Y'all don't wanna do that Y'all don't wanna do that Seen a nigga like me, yeah, I so weak. They say the meek shall inherit the earth, that's why the whole world sleep. Yeah, I count on sheep, uh, riding around Gotham. Looking for the Batman, I'm a little off, need a cat scan. Heard your new shit, hit the link by the hashtag. Threw my whole iPhone in the trash can, yeah. Making moves for the Kim folk, Peace squad, but the hands like Kimbo. Half a body hanging at the window. Let them talk, they ain't fucking with the pen, though. I feel like the realest one here. I'm going after Hov, man, there's nothing I fear. I say it to his face, I'm trying to take his place. First one to a Billy, that's a real nigga race. I'm a motherfucking god. I feel like a god. I feel like a god. I feel like a. I feel like a. Hey, I don't wanna do that. Yeah, I don't.